Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So John 15, 5, that's where we're going to be. And um, uh, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he who abides in me <clears throat> and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay? So Jesus is very clear about this. And today the title of the message is this, is, is God's will in your life. Now, this is, we're going to take titles from the, we're actually going to take titles from the, there's no way I can give you everything that's in one week of study. I can't do it. But we're going to preach from this every week so that you get a taste. So we want the whole church to be a part of this, okay? But what is, God, it, the, the title of this message is God's will in your life, okay? And the question is, many times we ask ourselves this, Especially, I did when I was younger. One of the reasons I began searching and seeking God was I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I was asking the question, most people ask, what is God's will for my life? Have you ever asked this question? God, what do you want me to do? <clears throat> it's a very sincere question. Most of us come from a very heartfelt position to say, God, what do you want me to do? God, what is your will for my life? God, I'll do it. Just tell me what you want me to do. And one of the things that when you go through this teaching, you'll see this, that it's a, it's a heartfelt question, but it's the wrong question. The right question is not what is God's will for my life. The right question is what is God's will? Because one is, watch this, one is, God, whatever, I'll, what's your will for me? Just tell me, Lord, and I'll do it. Go to China. Ah, God, I don't know that you said that. I think I will, you know, what's your will, God? We keep praying. Hey, I want you to go, I want, go to your, talk to your neighbor. Ah, maybe that was pizza. Maybe that was late night dinner, whatever. But when you start asking God, what is your will? That changes how we approach the Lord and how we interact with God. God, what is your will? So we're going to talk some about that today. And the reason I brought up the Bibles is because the Bible, when we talk about God's will, we're going to go to his word for to find out his will. How else will you know the will of the creator lest you go to the thing that he, give, he has given you? There is an Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. We call it Testament in our culture, in our you know time period today. It would be called covenant is a better term, but because we don't use that word, covenant is a much more binding. It's a much more binding term. We call marriage contracts today or marriage proposals or marriage whatever. It used to be a marriage covenant. That's what the terms are much more stronger. When you did a covenant with someone, you cut a covenant. It was a very real and serious thing. Today we call them contracts. But if you look in your will, if you don't have one, can I just reiterate for everyone in this room right now, no matter how young and, and healthy you think you are, uh, if you have anything in your life whatsoever that would be requiring someone to take care of your butt if you get buried next week, go find you an attorney and pay some money and get yourself a will. Can everybody say amen? amen. Don't do that to your family, all right? Give them a will. So... <clears throat> When I say that, though, this is a will. It's God's will to you. Old and new, it's his testament. It's his will. It is his binding. I'm going to say the word contract. I don't like it, but for the lack of a better word, it's his contract to you. It was written to you, written for you. He himself, the scripture says, came down from heaven. He became flesh and dwelt among us. But the word became flesh, dwelt among us. And we beheld the only begotten Son of God. So this is the contract I don't like that word, but it's the best thing to come up with, with God and you personally. It's his word. And the Bible is, watch this, God-centered. It is not me-centered. Now, I went to a Bible college, and I'm not picking. It's not their fault, but our, lack of a better word, it's not denominational, but kind of was, whatever. You know, you know what the word, if you say you're non-denominational, you know you are denomination, right? I mean, space ideas. If you say, oh, we're non-denominational, you know how many non-denominationals there are? We're all, everybody's a non- denomination of some kind, all right? So anyway, we, we prided ourselves, we're not a denomination, we were. But it got into a thing where this idea, if you remember in the uh, early 2000s, a lot of, a lot of blessings, nothing wrong with that, the blessing of the Lord. The scriptures say this in the Old Testament, the blessing of God makes one rich or prosperous or blesses, and he adds no sorrow to it. The, the scripture is very clear about this, God would love to bless your socks off. No doubt about it. That's in the scriptures. There's plenty of words you can find, okay? The Lord makes one rich, and he does not add any sorrow to it. Now, rich, you can take that in a different word you want to go, but in ours, it got a little extreme, okay? 
People started having bless me like meetings, you know, things like that. And it got to a point where, you know, if you give this, you get that. It turned into all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? It it just got extreme. And the reason why is because it turned from a God-centered word to a me-centered word. What can you do for me, God? Instead of God, what do you want? There's a huge difference in that prayer. And it's, it can get very selfish very quick, you know? Let's just be honest. I, mean, I was thinking last week about, you know, vehicle-wise, my wife's got a nice car. I, you know, I, every now and then I get to drive it. And uh, when I ride in mine, it's like riding a horse and wagon. I mean, it's a, it's a truck. It's just, it's trucks are trucks, right? You're going to road, hit a hole, it's like, boom! It's like, the, you know, I mean, it's like, hang on, you know? I'm so used to it. I get in her car, and it's a little freaky. Because I feel like I'm just flying on the air. Man, I'm running speed limits, you know, 50. I'm 65, so don't even know it. Oh, man, but slow down. Can't even tell because it's just a different ride. But if you don't, you're not careful, you forget how nice something is. You go like, because you see somebody else, you think you've got to have it too. Nothing wrong with that. But why? Is it necessary? Do I need it? Do I not need it? All these things, and we're not careful, it turns into God bless me versus God, what is your real? And so everything we read in Scripture should lead us to Jesus. Can I just say that again? Everything we read in the Scriptures, this should lead me closer to Jesus and closer to God. And if it doesn't, then i got to ask myself, why? It was never intended for you to build a case and have a, a library so you could have a doctrinal Difference with somebody that goes to another church. You can like, okay, let me tell you what the Bible says. You know, my preacher said this and my preacher. Once you start that, Jesus isn't even in that conversation. This word was given to you and I to draw us closer to him and to have a relationship with him. So that's why I say get you a good Bible. All right, I'm going to show you something on the screen here. Get you a good Bible. These are Bible translations that you can read. I'm going to show you a couple things. I'm going to take a minute with this and we're going to get right into the, the the meat of the message, okay? But I don't know if you can actually see this. I didn't know if it would come through good. We'll, we'll try, okay? If you can't, uh, take a picture and zoom in on it or something later. But, but if you look at this, this is a translation line, okay? So there are tr- Bible translations, right? This one is the Tyndale Bible, but this is a New Living Translation. This is what, when you see this on the scale, and this is a really good, let me tell you, this is a good Bible. This is probably my favorite to read. Like, this is the Bible I do read. When I read, I sit down and I break this out, and this is the one I want to read. Because there's not a lot of study notes in it, but it's also written, let me just say this to you, it's good for your kids too, it's written on about a 6th grade to 8th grade reading level. So it's for the masses. I said it's a good reading Bible. Now if I was going to break down some study, I'll show you some stuff in a moment, but this is a fantastic reading Bible. But if you look at on the linear, on the line up here, where it falls is about right here on the, on the line, okay? Right here. The NIV... Uh, is more over here, okay? Now, my professor called it a nearly inspired version. I don't know what he would call this, but <laughs> we won't make up, you know, <laughs> terms. But anyway, this is where this falls. NIV falls kind of in the middle. If you want to see something interesting, though, the further you go this direction, at the very end is something called the message. You guys heard of this? Okay, this is not a translation. This is a paraphrase. The more you go to this side of the screen, this is word for word. They take the original manuscripts and they try their best to give it to you by word for word. Sorry, guys, it's terrible. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give up like a weatherman or a traffic guy, you know. You know, but I'm doing the best I can with it. But it'll, we'll, um, maybe we'll figure out how to send it out to you or something like that. If you're on an email blast, too, if you, get, if you sign up on an email blast, we'll send it to you this week. How about that? That way you can have it on your phone or something. But the reason I want you to see is, is because a word for word is... They take the original manuscripts and they put it word for word. This Bible that I have, New Living Translation, this one here, the NIV, is kind of in the middle, but it's not a great translation, to be honest with you. It it really isn't. I'm not picking it. It's just not the best. This one's a better translation, though it is further on the scale to the right. Nothing wrong with that. It just means this Bible is more of a thought for thought. So what that means is it's like... I'm going to tell you a story. I went and got into my truck yesterday because the propane was empty in my tank on our greenhouse. I was afraid it would freeze, so I loaded up the tank, went and put it in my truck, go to Tractor Supply. I get there, love Tractor Supply. Folks are great. And they say, sorry, we're out of propane. Oh, 
what am I going to do? I remember I have a backup tank. It's going to be all right. So I put that little backup tank on. It made it through the night. I'll get some more today. They think we'll have some more in today. Now, I just told you a brief story, but listen, if you go and tell somebody, um, Pastor Jody went to get propane and took it back to his home last night. You've done no injustice whatsoever to my story. Whatsoever. All you did was you, you took it into your own words, the main thought and idea, and you said it in your own way to express the, the, what I did. Now, if you take that same story, though, and you say things like I didn't say, well, Pastor Jody got in his truck, but the truck, you know, was cold. How do you know it was cold? Well, we looked at the temperature outside, it was about 40 degrees. Well, that doesn't mean my truck was cold. You, you placed an intent because of the situation that you live in that you feel needed to be there and present, but that's not what I said. Now, nothing wrong, I'm criticizing, I don't want you to hear this. The message is that. It is a paraphrase, but it is in one author book. And he will tell you, Peterson will tell you this, he did not write it to intent to be studied as a literal word-for-word translation. He wrote it to give an explanation, to give an idea, and a fun reading. It was never intended to take it as literal as sometimes we do. I sometimes put it on the screen just for a different perspective. But it's, it's way over here on this side of the screen. Does, that, does you all understand what I'm saying? It's fine. If you got one, don't burn it. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just... It's good for reading, but it's still not even, it's not even here. It's pretty far over there, okay? So if you're going to Bible, you want to read and stay pretty close. This one here is really good. New Living Translation is good. I use a New American Standard Bible, and the reason why is this. If you see on the screen, it's the closest translation to the far side of the screen on this end. In our language, that is word for word. It is the most accurate translation at this time that is word for word. It's hard to find them because not everybody likes them. But the reality is they're a great uh, translation for study. So let me show you why this matters. And you say, what, what does it have to do with today? It has everything to do with today. Because if we're going to ask God, what is your will? And we go to the message, which is nothing wrong. But if all you ever read is the message, you may get an interpretation of God that's not accurate. There's nothing wrong with it. You understand? I'm not, there's nothing wrong with reading the message. But it is not the scriptures that were you know, if you want to call it inspired by holy men of old, and they wrote as God instructed them. All these other Bibles have a committee of translators and people who spend their time, energy, and a lot of PhDs and letters after their name, and they agreed on the context and the writing and the words. It's not one man's writing. One man's writing gets kind of dangerous. You get into some of that, you know, Mormonism and stuff with Joseph Smith and all that. An angel showed me something, so I wrote it, and people accepted his gospel. Paul said, if someone preaches you another gospel, it's not even if they were an angel of light, and it's not the gospel, you're supposed to reject it. Y'all see what I'm saying, right? I'm not picking on any of this. I just want you to be clear what I'm saying, okay? All right, so let me show you this, um, uh, why this matters. I don't know if this is going to show up or not. Go to the next screen. Oh, yeah, this is okay. I just want you to see something real quick. This is my Bible software. I'm, I'm showing you something because I want you to see something, okay? You don't need this. It's okay. Don't freak out. Just hang tight. All right, so do you see this on the right-hand side over here that's highlighted? That's Hebrew, okay? Let me zoom in on that for you so you can see this. And uh, you guys will know the next slide there. Okay, this is Hebrew, okay? This is the Old Testament. This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, you know that, right? Or you've heard of that. But in Hebrew, this is what's called an interlinear Bible. This is the most accurate Bible you're going to find. Enjoy it if you want to get one, okay? <laughs> but but there, there it sits. In English, this is how it reads. Beginning, in create God, heaven, the end. Because Hebrew goes from right to left. You'd break that stuff down and try to get it into English. And on top of that, make it word for word completely and nothing else. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm going to tell you, this is hard to do. And I'm not advising you, you can do it if you want to, but... If you really want to be accurate, because people say things like to me, every time I talk about Bibles, well, inevitably, someone never fails. They usually say to me, well, the King James is the only Bible. It's not the, it, I'm telling you, it's one of the worst translations you can get. I can't believe you'd say that, Pastor Jody. I'm just being honest. 
if you really want to have the Bible, the real Bible, there you go, get one of them. <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> that. There you go. I mean, that's, that's what you need. Most of us don't have the time to do that, okay? So let me show you this next, uh, next one here. This is um, this next picture. I want to show you. This is actually the Greek. You say, are you going to get to the message? I am. Just hang on. This is Greek. You see where I got it highlighted over here in yellow? This is John, the word I just, the verse that we just started with, John chapter 15 and verse 5. Now watch this. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now I'm going to put this video up here. This is a little teaching video. Just guys go and play this next one here. And I want you to see this. Because if you can't understand your Bible, how will it ever lead you closer to Jesus? So watch this. Now it'll start moving in a minute. This is a highlight, all this in yellow. This is an interlinear Bible. And what it does is it has Strong's concordance built into it. It has a lexicon built into it. But what it's giving you is exact word for word translation. This is a word for You're not going to find anything closer than this. This is it. And why I'm showing you this is because when I would hover over, it'll highlight different parts. I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me can do nothing. Now, I should read it to you the actual way, but ye are able to do nothing. You know, we don't even talk like that anymore. But when you look at these interesting words, we see the word fruit. We think he bears fruit. In our culture, we think, well, fruit. But if you look at the highlights that come up next, when I go over there, <clears throat> it pulls up a definition. It pulls up fruit as in plucked, like as in picked. These are really good grapes. I've been waiting 10 minutes just to eat one of these. If you hold over here, there it is. It shows up on this side too. This is what I use when I study, okay? The fruit that is ripened, reproductive fruit of a plant or tree consisting of the seed and its covering. It's ripe enough to pluck. It's almost spit it out on you, sorry. And it's ripe enough to eat. But this thing right here is really awesome. When I pulled this up, this just took about five minutes, but... I found something here that I thought was very interesting. Because it's not just fruit that you eat. Check this out. If I read it quickly, I should bear fruit. This is what I think about. Sorry. Kind of hungry. <laughs> That's really good. I'm going to eat all these. This is what I think about. I'm going to bear fruit. This is what you think as Christians, you know? I'm going to bear some fruit, right? I don't know. Whatever you think. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Scratch with that. But when you say the Bible and you hear these stories, we're supposed to bear fruit. What do you think? I'm bearing much fruit. And it sounds real cool. I'm going to bear enough fruit so that people come along. And I guess that I'm going to be in great shape where i got enough fruit in my life that's healthy fruit that you can come along, I guess, and pluck some stuff and, and eat it. And you'll be blessed. Interpretate, interpret how you want. That's pretty fair, don't you think? If you get into one of these word for words and see this, this is... Really what Jesus was talking about. In John 12 and verse 24, watch this. Fruit that is ripe, enough to pluck, but has the seed and the covering still intact. John 12, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, watch this, it bears much fruit. Now, he's talking about wheat. I'm talking about grapes, okay? But he who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So what is God looking for out of his people? Is it fruit that makes us look good? Is it fruit that, that really remains? When you think about the fruit that's going to remain, fruit doesn't last forever. These grapes won't even last a week at our house. I mean... When Piper finds them, they're gone. Kid eats grapes like crazy. Sorry, I'm smacking for those of you. They're really good. Sorry. Microphone. But fruit doesn't last. Doesn't last. So it's not like something you can store on the shelf and say, look at this. That's not, it's not what he means. What he's saying is this. He who finds his life has to lose it. He's referring to discipleship. If you want to have fruit that remains, then if you're going to bear much fruit, then what, what you've got to be able to do is take your life 
And at times, other people in your life, in your small group, your small group leaders right now, those of you coming to be a part of a small group, you are pouring out, giving up in a sense. You are dying to self during this season in this Bible study. And what you're saying to God is, I'm willing to die. I'm willing to be planted. I'm willing to die to self for a season so that, why? I can have fruit that remains. So that when it is pre-produced or when you come back up out of the ground, if you will, when that harvest comes up, Jesus said, the sower sows the word. And when the seed is sown, there are some that produce 30, 60, 100 fold if it's in good ground. The key to fruit that remains is this. It's either A, I'm either a disciple of Christ right now or I am discipling somebody in Christ. But Jesus, when he talked about fruit that remains, isn't it true? Don't you think he had some fruit that has remained? I mean, just look at your neighbor right now. They were a byproduct of the work of Jesus Christ. He took 12 guys and one checked out. Got a backup, you know? But he took 12 guys and he changed the world. You know about fruit that remains. So let me ask you a question right now. What fruit is it that you're looking to leave behind? What's more important? Take a couple hours out of your week to pour into somebody else and see God change their life? Or see fruit that remains in them, a disciple that you give up some things, yes, you die to some things, yes, but if it changes their life, I'm a byproduct of the same thing. Diana took a group of us guys and gals in the room. Took the time. She's busy. I didn't know how busy she was back then. I didn't know what she was doing at the office she worked at. I had no idea. She made it fun. We had a great time. I didn't know how early she got up in the morning. I didn't know. Haley told me one time, you know, she would go to bed early. She said, don't wake up mom. It's the bear. We, we have a rule in our house. Don't wake her up. She's the bear. It's like, what are you, her? She's not a bear. She's... She's happy all the time. But I know she had to get up at four in the morning or whatever it was. She did that and poured into us. Now you can say, well, where's the fruit and all that? I don't know. Most every one of them in that group serving Jesus. You know, I don't know if she got the better end of the deal or not. And I married her daughter, so I don't know. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, people always say things like, they think I'm her son. You know, yeah, but Haley's her daughter. <laughs> I just got to be in the family. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, people wonder that. They say that all the time. But anyway, so if, if, root, if the fruit is going to remain, it's got to have a seed that can be planted. It has to die and to reproduce into a harvest. And God is looking for us to do that. And is it possible that God wants us to die to self so we can disciple more people? So anyway, you can get into all kinds of things and types and studies on all these details in the Bible. But again, if all my study does is lead me to more religion, that's not the intent of the Bible. The word is supposed to lead me more to a relationship with God. It's a relationship, okay? So God desires a relationship with us, not religion. Now, again, John 15, 5, let me read it to you again. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's kind of funny. I remember, um, I'm still eating these grapes. My, um, one of our instructors, he would teach us how to communicate. And so Haley, this week, this week we were taking some time to, we volunteer every couple of years or every, two, usually twice a year. We're going to volunteer with the uh, North American Mission Board. And so a number of guys and, you know, guys are going to be starting churches. So we volunteer some time and we, we come and we do what's called an assessment. We help them, their readiness to plant a church, start a church, et cetera, et cetera. And we each take a different field. So mine's communication this time. Last time was something else. We do evaluations. What I'm thinking about eating all these grapes, we had an instructor. You remember Haley? He would say, uh, when you start practicing how to speech, stick some jelly beans in your in your jaw, in your you know, cheeks over here. So when you speak, you have to force yourself to hold your you know, hold those jelly beans or they're gonna fly out at you, you know? That's what I feel like when I'm eating these grapes. If I got, you know, I'm gonna spit a grape out at you guys at any minute now. But the reason we do that, so in the last couple of years, let me ask you a question. What's Sometimes people can think, you know, I'm going to say it, and then you just have to love me through it. Sometimes we can be a little selfish, you know, as Christians. You know, people think, well, why do you do that? Why don't you do more? Like, you go and volunteer and help that. Uh, shouldn't you do something in Rome? Well, yeah, I do. But let me ask you a question. Are we not in the kingdom? And aren't we looking for fruit that will remain? So in the course of the last two years, so Haley, since the pandemic, and I, Haley and I, we've helped in different areas. I counted it up, and it's right at, I, I have to check on a couple of them, but it's right at 60 churches have been started 
in some of the most, not unreached, but most of the non-churched areas in our country. Some are up in the Northeast and other places, almost 60. Let me ask you a question. What has more uh, return? Taking a few days to do that. We volunteer our time. Do that. And you have almost 60 churches start. And what if those people reach people for Christ? And then those people in their communities reach people for Christ. Along with our church, we're reaching people for Christ. Isn't that more having fruit that would remain? We, I don't even know half of what they do. But I'm just saying, that's part of it. We're about the kingdom. It should never be a thing where it's about us when we get into this. And this only leads me to me. It should lead me to God. It should lead me a closer relationship with Jesus. So, anyway, I wanted you to see that and hear that. Um, uh, and so let me show you this next image. This is the seven realities of experiencing God. So let me show you this, and, um, and, and we'll keep going right here. All right, so, oh, this one turned out great. Yeah, you can see that one real good. So when you do this and you're going through your thing, you probably read through this. If you haven't, you can. But here's God on the left side, and uh, here's God's work, right? Guys, you know, walking across the, uh, whatever that is, an arrow. And ultimately, all of us want this. Do we not want to obey God and have an experience with God? I don't know of anybody that doesn't. I don't know of any Christian that tells me, you know what, I have no desire to obey God, and I have no desire whatsoever to hear from God. I do not know one Christian who feels that way. Every Christian I have ever talked to, in some way, at some point, we all say this, I just want to love Jesus. I just want to honor God. I just want to obey God, whatever, and I just want to hear from God. That's all any Christian ever really wants. But watch this. When you do this, it sounds real easy. But this leads us to the comment or the, the question we ask, God, what is your will for my life? And Jeremiah does talk about this, and there's another scripture that does talk about this, but God does have plans. He does have a work for you, yes. However, it's not, God, what is your will for my life? It's, God, what is your will? And the very first thing that God has in his will for you is relationship, not obedience. So, Pastor Jody, I can't believe you would say that. We're Christians. We're supposed to obey the Bible. That's, remember what I said. The Bible is cent- God is at the center of his word, and everything you read in Scripture should lead you closer to him. So if you, one guy used to tell us he was uh, the founding pastor's, the, he, the, this was their son, he used to get up and do Bible study, and he'd say things like this. The Bible says, love your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. He said, basically it says this, love God first and then do whatever else you want to. And I say, what? That sounds like a message paraphrased to me. But what he was saying was, if you love God, everything else is going to work. Everything's going to work. But I'm going to tell you something, if we don't love God, if he's not first in our life, and I'm trying to make this book conform to me, and I'm trying to make this book give me the thing to argue with my friend who goes to another church, or I'm trying to make this book, you know, I'm going to fight the unbeliever with it. That is not what this was for. It is for you to develop a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so the interesting thing about this is, a while back, this has been, man, I mean years, when I talk years, when I was, I don't even know if I, I just had become a pastor, I think, I had some really sweet people, and they didn't like it when I would say things like this in church. I'd say, if you're here today, and maybe your relationship with God is not where it ought to be. Maybe your relationship with God is distant. Maybe you're just here this morning, and you've kind of gone through the motions, and it's more of religion than it is relationship. They did not like those words, and they're very sweet, but it, you know, they felt they necessary to tell me they didn't like it, and uh, a lot, and so... It finally got to the point where we had to have a conversation. I said, listen, what, what about this you do not like? I don't like the fact that you're saying that you can have a relationship that's distant from God. And I said, well, why? What, what, is so hard, what is so difficult about that? Well, because we're in Christ. I said, well, of course we're in Christ. I mean, what does that mean? Well, if we're in Christ, then you can't be separate from God. And I said, oh, Okay. You're referring to positionally speaking. I'm referring to relationship. So it's like this. It's like my children. I love my children. A few of them over here, one's in the class. Who, by the way, let me just tell you something. Kids ministry leader, y'all rock. My kid gets up this morning with a Bible in one hand, a thing in the other hand, and said, Dad, I've got to have this, this, and this because I get points at church. A big old thick Bible like this. I'm like, that's so cool, man. Y'all to tell them today, 
love on them, tell them thank you. I'm so fired up about what they're doing. I can't stand it. It's just, it is so awesome to me. And I'm a, my kid's in a preacher's house, okay? Not one morning has she ever got up and looked at me and said, Dad, I got my Bible. I'm ready. Let's break it open. Let's read it, Dad. I mean, she does it with her mom, but not with me. She was ready to go without, I thought, that is so awesome. So anyway, I just side note. But my kids, I love my kids. I love my children. I tell them all the time, I love you always and forever, no matter what. No matter, and I mean it. So if you ask me as a pastor, well, what if your kid this, what if your kid this? Don't ask me to give you some religious answer. I love my kids through it all. I don't care. There's nowhere they're going to go, nothing they ever going to do, nothing. Now, that don't mean I won't have a problem or an issue. It don't mean I don't need to correct them. It don't mean I need to adjust some stuff. I say, hey, listen now, look. But at the same time, I'm going to love them always and forever. Isn't that kind of like the love that the Father has for us? Seems like he said, for God so loved the world that he gave. I don't know about you. His only son? That's a love that is extravagant. You'll never contemplate how deep that is. But watch this. Let's say one of my children decides they're going to run this direction. Is that going to change how much I love them? Won't change it one bit. Will it break my heart? Yeah, I'd, I'd be broken. Would I love them? Yes. Now watch this. Would that mean they're not my kid? I mean, they got the same blood in them. You can't. They're my kid. They're still my child. But will it affect our relationship? Is it not possible to have a position with Christ and be in Christ, as Ephesians 2 tells us, and not have a great relationship with the Lord? It is possible. You say, well, can you show it to me in Scripture? I'd love to. Revelation 2. Let us just read it. We'll put it on the screen for you. Revelation 2 and verse 2. This is to the church, one of the churches in Revelation that Jesus wrote to. And by the way, these words aren't read on the screen, but they are read in your Bible, okay? I know your deeds and your toil or your work and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. Sounds great, don't it? And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not, and you found them to be false. So they're doing a great job with all this, Jesus said. And you have perseverance and you've endured for my name's sake and you've not grown weary. But watch this. That, yes, yes, yes. Awesome. But this one thing I got against you, you have left your first love. Is it possible to be on fire for Jesus, have a relationship for Christ, and positionally be in the place where he called you and said, yes, you are his, and not have a relationship with him? It is possible. So that's why, what does this do? This brings you back to him. This is not to check off and say, I finished it. That is not going to matter. What's going to matter is, is my relationship with the Lord at the place that he wants it to be? Can y'all put that uh, image back up about the experience of God, the seven realities real quick? Because relationship is where it starts. It's all about the relationship. If I have a relationship with God, then God can say, hey, let me, let, would you join me in what I'm doing over here? But it starts with relationship. Because how many know, isn't it true that in Christianity, we, we can join a bunch of stuff and do a bunch of stuff in the name of God, and we're not real happy about it. We're just not. I mean, watch this. Preacher, I can't believe, you know, Gary, one of the elders, and Pastor Jody, and all, y'all always talking about giving, giving money, giving money. Why would you act like that? What's the big deal? Well, because it's my money. Well, that might be the first problem you got right there. You, you think it's your money. I'm just saying. Might be an indicator. Because this doesn't link, this is nothing, it's not about you. It's about him. Behold, the Lord says, I own all the cattle on the thousand hills. The gold and the silver are mine, saith the Lord. I mean, he, we don't have anything. Everything that we do have, we're simply stewards of it. If you don't believe that, um, again, go get your will and find out from past cases what happens. You don't take anything with you. Nothing goes with you. Nothing. I've seen people try, and I've actually seen people walk by like, man, what are they doing, man? You can't be taking, don't tell mama that one. Mama, she don't need it. I mean, I've seen people pull it right out of the casket. So, you know, get your will. I'm not making that up. I'm being serious. Anyway, nobody here. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my gosh. Move on, Tony. <clears throat> I 
Can you get married and over time have a distant relationship? It can happen to the best of them. That's why, man, you can do like Johnny Cash. We got married in a fever. You know, like you, you could rock. Yeah, baby. Woo. Chase her around the house for the first six months. And then five, six years later, throwing a couple of kids and a shopping list. And you're like, oh, man, I just, I just you, I mean, I'm just saying it can happen. All you new think that ain't true. He's like, no, I'm still chasing her. Like, I, okay. All right. Come back, talk to me in a couple of years and make sure you're still chasing her because that's what we want. You keep chasing her. That's good. But it can happen. So what do you do? You have to remain close. And more than anything, God wants you to remain close. So watch this. So God is always speaking to his people for his purposes to invite us into his work. But it starts with the relationship. Okay? It starts with the relationship. So what is the work he wants to do? Well, John 4 says it this way. He's talking to his disciples after he talked to the woman at the well in, in Samaria. He was there. He, his disciples came up. They were going to get some snacks, I guess, because they were all hungry. And so he says <clears throat> to them, if they came in and talked to them, he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? So Jesus said to them, my food, my nourishment, the thing that, that feeds me, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Go back again. What did, what did Jesus say? To do his will. Not, God, what's, no, what, what, is, what is your will for my life? He did not say, he said, I come to do the will of the Father. So the best question is this, what is God's will? Because if you ask the right question, you get the right answer. If you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer. Right? So, let me throw a couple of these out there because I, I, I bet the, the wheels may be turning up here about some of these bless me scriptures, okay? So let's just look at them real quick. Throw them on the screen very fast for you. Psalm 37 and verse 4. What about this one, Pastor Jody? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, keep reading. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. And one translation, if you look at one of those interlinear Bibles and really break it down, it actually means something like this. Commit yourself to the Lord or delight yourself in the Lord or have a relationship with him. And he'll actually put his desires within you. You know, if you really want to know how you break addiction, really want to make how you get out of an issue, a habit, or whatever, it doesn't come with trying to beat the habit. It comes with starting a relationship with the Lord. Because whatever you put your focus on, your attention on, your time on, you will never beat it. You're never going to beat it. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but some of you need to hear this. I'm telling you. You can put all your energy and effort into it. I took my dad, I don't know how many of those stupid AA meetings. I can't believe you said that. I, I, will, I will say it again. Stupid AA meetings. Because let me tell you why. Every time you get in the circle, that's what they say. Hi, my name's Paul, and I'm an alcoholic. Well, that's just great. Because all you just did is reaffirm your issue. All you just did is reaffirm your addiction. All you just did is reaffirm your bondage. So I had to tell my dad, stop saying that. You're not an alcoholic. You have an issue, yes, but you can beat this through Christ. But the longer you sit around that circle of every one of the rest, I mean, if you want to be, you want to stop being a clown in the circus, stop hanging out with the clowns in the circus. You can't go and hang out with clowns every week and say, I don't want to be a clown, I don't want to be a clown, I don't want to be a clown, no matter what. But I can't help myself. Every time I get around these guys, I put the red nose back on. Well, how will you ever beat it? Best advice anyone ever gave me when I started coming to church was, you're going to have to leave those people over there if you ever want to grow in Christ in here. You're going to have to give up some stuff. So I just, you don't know how hard it is. Are you saying that no one else in here has any issues? We all have issues. But here's what I found. Draw near unto me, as the scripture says, and I will draw near unto you. Do you think that that habit or issue can stand in the presence of an almighty God? The closer I'm drawn to God, the less that thing is an issue. But you've got to be willing to go to God. Even in the midst of a sin. Even in the midst of a sin. Don't run from God. Run to God. And let him, you know, you'll find help in the time of need. All right, so anyway. Psalm chapter 20 and verse 4. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all of your counsel or your plans is what that word is. So you say, well, see, it's my desire. No, seek the Lord first, and he'll give you these plans, but they're going to be his plans because it's his will. Ultimately, it comes down to Matthew 6. I'm going fast. I'm just putting it on the screen for you. You can write them down. Matthew 6.33, watch this. Seek first the kingdom 
and all of his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. If you want, it, it comes back to the relationship with him first. So today, more than anything, God wants a relationship with you. And I'm not talking about where you got to spend five hours in your prayer closet. That's great if you do. Fantastic. Pray for me. I pray for my family. You pray that much, throw, throw some in for me. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not referring to how much time you spend in your prayer closet. I'm referring to a real relationship with the Lord that is beyond Sunday morning church experience. I mean one where you have times where you're driving down the road and you talk to God too. And he talks to you. I just don't know if that's possible. It is possible. But more than anything, he wants a relationship with you. And then he'll invite you into what he's doing. But too many times, this is our prayers. We're asking God to join us in what we are doing for him. If we are honest, this is what we typically do. I'm going to do this. Hey, God, will you help me with this? Hey, God, I got that. Will you help me with this? God, I'm doing this. Will you help me now with that? And sometimes, you know, I wonder if God is saying, well, I really didn't. It's not really what I'm in anyway. You're kind of on your own there. I can help you get out of it, but I wish you'd ask me what my will is. Here's a couple of thoughts this morning as we close. Am I asking God for blessings, abundant life, certain things, et cetera, et cetera? What if instead of asking God for all these blessings, nothing wrong with it, please hear my heart, there's nothing wrong with blessings of the Lord. The blessing of God is an indicator of a relationship with the Lord. I am not saying don't be blessed. The Lord wants to bless you. But if he has a steward between the three, and one is hiding his stuff under the mattress, and the other is stewarding well in the kingdom, which one do you think he's going to entrust more to? the one who's willing to invest and serve and, and steward the resources or whatever he is, has in his hand for the kingdom. That's Bible. That's Jesus. And that goes against everything in our culture today, I know. But that's the truth. You don't just get stuff because you're alive. You have to learn to steward things. You have to learn to be a... It's got to be... A, you have to be a steward. If you work on a job, why would the boss give you any more responsibility if you won't take care of what he's already given you? But it, it, the benefit, the blessing, and the curse, it seems, of responsible people is this. If you do your job well, they see it, they take notice, they say, here's some more to do. <laughs> but, but that's a blessing and a curse. But at the same time, it's more of a blessing. Because people love people they can count on. They want to give them more. Because why? Because they count on them. God's no different. This morning... What if it's trying to ask God to bless our stuff, bless our plans, and bless our things? What if we begin to ask God, what is your will, Lord? Not, my, not your will for my God, what is your will? What do you want, Lord? It's a, it's a bit of a prayer of surrender um, because we have a lot of stuff. Man, we, we, we have a lot of stuff, but we're not really fulfilled. Like, in America right now, statistics are showing we've got more than any other nation in the world, but yet we are the most depressed, most filled with anxiety. We have more suicide. We are, we are not doing very well with all of our stuff, apparently. We have a lot of stuff, but we don't have fulfillment, it seems. We run around to everything. We go from here to there. Man, we can do, we can get here and there, but we're really not getting anywhere. But we have abundant life. It got me thinking about this. I, I, I wrote this question. What would you consider the abundant life? I guess something I've thought about more lately. What would I consider is having an abundant life? Like what item would I need to be able to say that to people? I have an abundant life now because I have this. Or maybe it's not an item. Maybe it's a status. Like if you get X amount of followers on your social media channel, then... I feel like I have an abundant life. My status matters, so, you know, then I would feel like I have. Or, or what about this? What if it was a What dream would need to be fulfilled for you so that you could actually say to people, I have an abundant life? 
Well, the interesting thing about that question is, what would you consider the abundant life? Jesus says, I come to give you life and life more abundant. Thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I come that you might have life. And he is not just talking about salvation. I mean, it's the word sozo. Salvation means a full package. It is not just salvation and forgiveness of sins. But guys, can I just tell you something? Peace from God is a wonderful thing. To be able to lay down at night, put your head on a pillow in the midst of a storm and say, Lord, if you went to sleep on a boat, no sense of me staying up. Peace is a blessing of the Lord. For some of you in here right now, I'm just telling you, peace is lacking. Why? I think because maybe we need to go back to the relationship first. God, this is what we need is you. More than anything, there's a song that Cody Carnes wrote called <clears throat> um, Nothing Else. You can go and listen to it, whatever little streaming service you have. But uh, it, it, basically in the, the lyrics, he said, I want nothing else, nothing else, nothing else but you, Jesus. And that's a really good thing to be praying that's all I need is you, Lord. When you think about the will, this is what Jesus said, and we're closing with this, this right here. I want you to think about this today. In Luke 22, Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. He was, he was trying to figure out if it's possible. Is there any other way? Is there any? But listen to these words. Not my will. Because the Bible doesn't center around me, centers around you, not my will, but your will be done. So God, what is your will this morning? What is God's will? And is it possible that the things we have, the status we have, the dream that we want is keeping us out of this garden? The Garden of Gethsemane, if you see it in Israel, is a very beautiful place. Olive trees are everywhere and where they believe to be the garden. And on one side it's very um I'll say commercial. It's very tourist on one, ha- one side. But if you go to the other side, that's a very private prayer garden with all these old olive trees. Some date back to the time of Christ. There's a few there. And you get in there, and it seems very... It's hard to imagine a place of suffering being right there. But this is the place where Jesus took all of his stuff, all of his ideas, all of his dreams, his questions, everything that he had that was coming against him. And he went into this place, and he said, Not my will. Your will be done. God, I'd love to have that dream. God, I'd love to have that thing. And God, I'd love to have... But you know what? If that's keeping me from coming to you this morning and saying, not my will be done, but yours. If that's keeping me out of that garden, then God, I lay it down right now and I come into that garden and I pray the prayer that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ prayed. Not my will, but yours be done this morning. So what is God's will? This morning, I want to pray for you. I want you to ask the Lord yourself right now. So I'd ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. What is God's will? Just right here where you're sitting. It's between you and the Lord right now. I'm just going to take one minute with this, giving you a moment. But I'm just telling you, stop for a minute and ask yourself one more time. God, what is your will? Not what is your will for my life. Let's take me out of the equation for a moment. God, what is your will? It's hard sometimes to do it while your eyes are closed. It's tough. I'm sitting in my head trying to say the same thing, and my mind goes to, well, God, what do you want? What do you want me to do? What do you No. Just what is your will? It's just all about you, Lord. And one of the most important things that he says is his will is that none should perish, but that all would have everlasting life. And so if you're here this morning and you, you feel like you fall in the the side of the, the, the equation of what I mentioned when I said, man, your relationship with God is just not where it should be. And you feel like right now, you say, man, my relationship needs to change with the Lord. And I, I don't know what happened, don't know how, maybe I got busy, but I, I need to change it this morning. I'm going to pray for you right now. 
And the whole church is going to pray with you, but specifically, you're here, you're watching online on broadcast either way, and you're saying, I just, my relationship isn't, it's not right, and I don't know what happened. I don't even know how to, where to start. I'll tell you, this morning you start with this prayer. You ask the Lord Jesus to come, not just forgive, cleanse, and restore, but you ask him for a relationship. And so with your eyes closed, we're going to pray together right now. Just repeat this after me. The whole church is going to pray. We're going to pray together right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I give you my life. I give you my heart. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me, to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. In Jesus' name, man, we're so proud of you. You prayed that prayer. We're so proud of you, right, church? Give me a hand, would you? So, so proud of you. And listen, if you would help us, we'd love to get you started walking with Christ. There are some groups you could still join. So if you uh, will take the time to fill us out for us, connect.cornerstonerealm.com or in the seat back you know, in front of you, there's a card there. You fill it out. Drop it in the offering boxes on your way out the door. Um, we'd love to help you get started walk, following God. This is a great time. If you came today, I'm telling you, and you want to get started walking with God, this is a perfect day to begin. You, you could have picked a better time to start walking with God. And so you can find a group at groups.cornerstonerealm.com. If there are uh, too many of them are full, then, you know, start one. Hey, you can do it. It's, it. Video lessons come with it. It's not hard. You can do it. All right? Um, one thing, a couple things I'll say with you before we go. Just pray for Haley and I again as we start tomorrow. We'll have three days where we will be praying for and, and, and helping uh, future pastors, hopefully plant you know, churches. So pray for us, please, for the next couple of days. And then if you don't mind, I'll ask our prayer team to come down front. You guys can go up and stand if you want. Well, just for one second. I'm going to bless you before you leave. But our prayer team will come down front. If you need prayer for anything, uh, they're here. And they'd love to pray with you about anything. Uh, there is, maybe you're here and you, it's what we talked about has nothing to do with your situation. These individuals love to pray with you. And so uh, it's a great opportunity to do that as well. One last thing I'll say as you're coming down, uh, as you give this week, the options are on the screen for you, I think. We'll put them up there for you. You can give online, give it in the offering boxes in the back. Uh, people ask sometimes, like, hey, why don't we do plates? I don't know. We just, I just don't like them. Um, I think you ought to be able to give out of the purpose of your heart and not out of guilt, compulsion, or, you know, need. The base of what the scripture says. And I think whenever, that's me. That's not for everybody, just our church. So that's why I don't. I don't like passing a plate. I never like the idea of watching it go by and some mom sitting there looking and she's like, she's got to throw something in. And what was that? You know, that was her five bucks to feed her kid that day. I just, I didn't like that. So um, that's why we don't. You say, well, we ought to. Well, you know, you're not the pastor. So I love you in Jesus' name, but <laughs> sorry. I love you, but I don't like that. I don't like putting guilt on people. I'd say, hey, let the Lord speak. Do what God tells you to do. Be purposeful in your giving. And just trust the Lord in that way, okay? So in Numbers chapter 6, let me say this over you before you go. You might want to speak this over your family. Numbers six twenty four. the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, come down front. We'll see you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.